This is Midday Magazine for Wednesday, June 7th. For KFSK News, I'm Shelby Herbert. Two people remain missing after a charter vessel capsized near Sitka over Memorial Day weekend. The 30-foot aluminum boat was returned to Sitka by a salvage crew on Monday. The search began on the evening of May 28th after Kingfisher Charters notified the Coast Guard that one of their boats was overdue. The body of 57-year-old Mari Akawili was recovered from the scene on May 28th near the vessel that was partially capsized offshore Low Island. His wife, 53-year-old Danielle Akawili, and her sister, 56-year-old Brandy Chow, were recovered from the boat on May 31st. The fourth passenger, 61-year-old Robert Sulis, and the boat's captain, 32-year-old Morgan Robideau, still haven't been found. Conditions on the water made accessing and recovering the partially submerged boat challenging. Salvage crew crews refloated and returned the vessel back to Sitka on Monday. A press release from the Alaska State Troopers says search efforts are moving forward uh, will occur only if new clues or information are reported to law enforcement. Renewed search efforts would be evaluated at that time. The Coast Guard continues to investigate the circumstances surrounding the incident. Dozens of volunteers came out to Petersburg Memorial Cemetery to arrange flags before Memorial Day, to the pleasant surprise of Petersburg's American Legion post. It usually falls to post 14 to plant flags at the cemetery. But the org's core members are aging. Many who led Memorial Day preparations in the past have passed away or are in such poor health they can't do it anymore. Here's the story from the cemetery. A crowd of people are out planting flags near grave sites, despite the rain and bugs. Killian Rafferty is with her nine-year-old daughter, Leona. Rafferty says her daughter is curious about the event. She was very intrigued by the whole thing, and she'd never been to the cemetery and was happy to help. She's she's a little worker bee, so she was very happy to come along and help. The two are looking for headstones with military service markers on them. When they find one, they place a flag on it. Veterans who served during wartime get a different grave marker, a bronze medallion. It takes the pair a while to find an unmarked grave. That's because there are so many helping out. People came early, and in 20 minutes, the job was nearly done. Rafferty is neither a veteran nor a Legion member, but her father and grandfather served, and she says Memorial Day means a great deal to her. It just makes me think of all the veterans and what you know people have done for our country, and we have our freedom and we have our right to speech. We have so many things because people have fought for this. Stanley Hjort is carrying flags and medallions in one hand and a cane in the other. He's been active in the American Legion for over 50 years. He says that compared to where they were a couple months ago, he's pleasantly surprised about the day's turnout. Well, so far, so good. Gee whiz. we got lots of folks here. Well, we've raised more, more interest and there's more people getting involved. And that's always good. Hjort and others in Petersburg's post were worried that nobody would step up to prepare the cemetery after one of their core members passed away. Paul Anderson, a Vietnam War veteran, used to organize the flag planting. He died in January at the age of 77. Hjort says, as he himself has aged, Memorial Day means more to him. Because you, as you 
age you gain understanding about the people that actually served and gave their lives probably on foreign soil or on the water. We have to remember this and these people here. Chief Petty Officer John Palmer is with the U.S. Coast Guard. He came to Petersburg to do an assessment on the Coast Guard Cutter Pike. Another officer told him about the flag planting, so he took a walk down to the cemetery to lend a hand. Yeah, so to me, Memorial Day is a chance for those that are still serving and those that have served to basically remind everybody else of the sacrifices that people have made for our country and for their freedoms. Stacy Paulson is another volunteer. She served in the Air Force and has been part of the American Legion for 22 years. She says it's a huge deal to her to see people from outside the organization pitching in. And I arrived um, four minutes early and thought I was late because everybody was basically done. <laughs> Paulson says it's important for people to remember that Memorial Day isn't supposed to be about living veterans like herself, but to honor and mourn those who actually died during service. All gave some and some gave all. And to me, this is about the ones who gave all. Petersburg's American Legion Post 14 welcomes all local veterans to register. Those who received an honorable discharge and those who served even one day on active duty. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. A nine-year-old has won the first prize and $10,000 in the Sitka Salmon Derby after landing a 32-and-a-half-pound king. Second and third place went to an 11- and 15-year-old, respectively. As Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka, it's not necessarily beginner's luck that put these kids on top. Some of them have been in the derby for years. John McCrayan has been chairman of the Sitka Salmon Derby for 23 years, he says there were at least three former champions fishing this year whose combined ages may come in somewhere north of 240 years. This year, though, the top three places were claimed by anglers whose combined ages total 35 years. McCrayan is not bothered by this in the least. Well, it's exciting. It gets some, uh, no pun intended, it gets them hooked. Nine-year-old Caleb Gray's 32-and-a-half-pound salmon held the lead all through fishing the second weekend of the derby, and that's no fluke. Gray also is the total weight leader for the derby, bringing in just under 209 pounds of king salmon over five days of fishing. McCrayan let Gray hold the horn that would signal the end of the derby Sunday night, with eight minutes to spare, a boat pulled into the derby barge and landed a fish that was quite obviously smaller than Gray's 32-pounder. McCrayan nevertheless called out 47-5 just to see Gray's reaction. And you should have seen the look on his face. He knew that that number was bigger than his, and he didn't know if he should cry or, <laughs> or what. And then they looked over at his dad, Kenny, who was leaning against the nice chest, and his expression was about the same. <laughs> So I got them both. McCrayan is a big bear of a man, and playing with the kids in the derby comes easily to him. But they have played him, too. Three years ago, at the end of his 20th season, he was stopped in his big bear tracks by a child named Piper Vaughn. I was going to announce at the ceremony that I was retiring, that it was time for new management to come in, and then Piper comes up with a picture that she had colored, of her fish hanging on the scale and a thank you at the bottom 
with kisses, you know, and I, all right, I can't do this. Third place finisher Riley Bernhardt began her derby career in a similar fashion to Caleb Gray, entering her first salmon as a six-year-old, the derby minimum. Now a teen, she is the second highest in total pounds landed at 185, and one of her kings was the third largest in the derby at 29 and a half pounds. Again, these numbers point to years of experience, not luck. McCrayan says Bernhardt knows her way around the leaderboard. So I think she's now 16 or 17, and uh, she was down there at the barge telling her dad, just calm down, I've got to, you know, she was holding her fish up and wanted pictures, and she wanted them a certain way, and <laughs> he was griping about how long it was taking, and he just... Uh, put him in his place, and then just, this is my time. You just wait. Bernhardt will win a pot puller worth $2,000 for her third-place king, as well as a variety of cash prizes for high weight and largest fish of the day. The second largest fish in the derby was landed by 11-year-old Jack Haley at just under 32 pounds, and he'll claim $5,000 in prize money. Haley also brought in the third-most poundage right behind Bernhardt at 162 total pounds. Eleven is the perfect age to be distracted by the State Division I high school baseball tournament, which was held over the same weekend in Sitka. But McCrayan has first-person evidence to the contrary. Mike White, who's been in the Derby for years, he was with Mike Svensson down at Goddard this year helping. And I guess he was asking all the kids down there, would they rather play baseball or go fishing? And after a couple minutes of thought, they, most of them said they'd rather be fishing. McCrayan says he's unsure whether this year's large purse will continue into the future. Several generous families and businesses contributed to the increase in prize money. And the final numbers have yet to be crunched. In all, 490 fish were turned in by 155 people over the five days of fishing. Proceeds from the sale of the salmon benefit the Sitka Sportsmen's Association's scholarship fund, its educational programs, and Sitka High's state champion shooting league, the Shore Shots. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Last spring, some cases of highly pathogenic avian influenza were detected in migratory birds coming to Alaska. And it's back again. Francisco Martinez Cuello has been in touch with biologists at the Yukon Delta National Wildlife Refuge and has this story. The bird flu has been detected in a migratory bird in western Alaska. Last Thursday, scientists found the first casualty from the highly pathogenic avian influenza. It was a cackling goose. Brian Daniels is the lead waterfowl biologist at the Yukon Delta National Wildlife Refuge. So it is here on the Yukon Delta again. We did find a bird that uh, succumbed to avian influenza with all the uh, normal signs of the neurological disorder swinging its head around and then um, next day being dead, uh, looking like it's just sleeping on a pond. Um, so we've had our first casualty uh, detected. Daniels advises hunters to cook their game to at least 265 degrees to kill any viruses that might be in the meat. He also wants to remind hunters to practice basic sanitary practices. This includes washing your hands after you handle the game first. No eating, smoking, or chewing until after you do so. You don't want to be putting anything in or near your mouth from birds that may be affected. It is still um, safe to uh, go catch birds this spring. Um, just need to be cautious that some birds might be sick uh, and not have any symptoms, show any symptoms. 
Um, but if birds are showing symptoms, um, leave them be um, and don't eat them. Daniels recently returned to Bethel after spending nine days studying the nesting of different waterfowl, primarily emperor geese and speckled eiders at one of the research camps out on the coast. And their timing uh, is is right on time for the historic mean from the 1980s until present um, of of initiating their nest during the lay eggs uh, in in the last week of May. But we're about a week later than what we've seen in the last eight or nine years. Daniel says that even though the river breakup was later than usual, birds are starting to nest, which means egging will begin soon. Daniels is working with the Association of Village Council Presidents, or AVCP, to select a date for the 30-day closure that is mandated in the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, which prohibits the taking, which includes killing, capturing, selling, trading, and transporting of protected migratory bird species without prior authorization by the Department of Interior's U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. It's meant to protect birds so they aren't disturbed while they're nesting so that they can incubate and hatch their hatch their young um, for 30 days um, and and start rearing their young. And so uh, the refuge works with uh, AVCP, the Alaska Village Council of Presidents here in Bethel, um, to set that date. Daniel says that the Yukon Delta National Wildlife Refuge talks to subsistence hunters and gatherers on the coast and throughout the Delta to ensure that people are getting opportunities to collect eggs and catch birds prior to setting the date. But it's a it's a fine line to ensure that we protect the birds um, as well as providing the opportunity. So we work together to set that time period. Um, and so I'm I'm talking with them right now to set that. Now that we know when birds are laying and when they should start incubating their eggs uh, next week, probably. They will be conducting aerial bird surveys for population assessment for all species during the next week or up to a week and a half, according to Daniels. So you might be seeing some low-flying aircraft uh, across the Yukon Delta uh, for those surveys. For the birders in the YK Delta, Daniel says that there has been a considerable increase in the number of passerines and insectivores to watch out for. He has seen a lot of tree swallows and cliff swallows, as well as snipes and shorebirds. In Bethel, I'm Francisco Martinez-Cuello.